Hey there, Josh Peterson here. Before we get to today's podcast, I wanted to say a few words about the murder of Lakin Riley. Lakin Riley was a nursing student at the University of Georgia, went out for a run on Thursday morning, February the 22nd, and was murdered. The story has hit communities, plural, incredibly hard. Her community of friends and family, the community in Athens, the community in Georgia, and the running community. It is absolutely horrible what happened to her. An avid runner, Lake and Riley, went out for a run around an on-campus trail she regularly ran, a college trail where she should have felt safe. I hate that this happened. Four years after the murder of another runner, Ahmaud Arbery, I hated as well that it was another reminder that women and people of color often find themselves in situations where it's not safe to do something as simple as go for a run. You know, every day I go out for a run and I don't think too much about it beyond what's my pace going to be today? Uh, do I want to run the looped lake? Do I want to do an out and back? And that is the privilege that comes with being a male and particularly the privilege that comes with being a white male. I often remind people and sometimes I need to remind myself that privilege comes when you don't have to think about your privilege. As often as I try to think about it, to try to remind myself of the benefits that I have, it's not something that is always at the front of mind. Again, thinking back to how I uh, imagine the run to be that day and what I'm thinking as I walk out the door. Lake and Riley's murder, again, put things at the forefront for me. I reach out to women in my life, most that run and some that don't, and some of them even guests that have been on this podcast. The constant thing that I heard was that every time they leave their home to go for a run or to go for a walk is that they think about being as safe as possible. One runner told me that she changes her route every single time she runs, so there's never something consistent in where she's running. She told me it's truly scary. It is very scary as a female runner. Another added the fact that she, she being Lake and Riley, did everything you're supposed to do, and it still happened to her, we're already so limited in when it's safe to be outside. And honestly, this whole thing is just a reminder that it's never really safe. One more runner told me, it's definitely something that I'm always conscious of. As we know through the various stories of women being attacked while out on runs, it doesn't matter where you're running or the time of day. So I try to always be as aware of my surroundings as I can be. A through line of the conversations was letting people know that you're running and sharing your location. One runner told me, share your location with people close to you. You must carry a phone. Another said, I tend to run at random times of the day, so I'm less worried about people being able to learn my habits, but I do often run in the evenings and when it's dark. So I'll try to let someone know when I'm leaving and about how long I'll be gone. And if I'm in an unfamiliar place, I bring my phone and share my location. Finally, I wondered what someone like me can do. I told one woman that when I am on the trail, I try to let everyone and anyone know when I'm coming up behind them. On your left is pretty much the only thing that I say out loud when I go for a run. So I appreciated this sentiment and advice. Advice for men would really just be to be aware of the state of the world. And even if you have good intentions, probably try to avoid approaching women you don't know. And like you said, try to do everything in your power to let people know that you're not a threat. I appreciate these women letting me know about their experiences, and my thoughts go out to Lake and Riley's family and friends, 
as well as the communities she was involved in. Welcome to Chasing Three Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Chasing Three Hours is now brought to you by Fleet Feet Omaha, the title sponsor of the podcast. I am so incredibly excited about this partnership and this relationship and everything that it will mean moving forward. We have had a couple of meetings, a lot of conversations, and there are going to be some awesome things in store. And one of the first things is that if you stop by one of their two locations in Omaha or the location in Lincoln, and you mentioned chasing three hours, you can get $15 off of your first pair of shoes at regular price. And a reminder that for the third time since 2019, I will be running in the Chicago Marathon and like 2019 as well as 2022, I'll be doing so for St. Jude. You know, treatments invented at St. Jude have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80% since it opened more than 50 years ago. St. Jude will not stop until no child dies from cancer. Be sure to check out the link in the show notes if you'd like to support my fundraiser ahead of this year's marathon. And today's interview is with Taylor Summers, a former runner and current coach at Oklahoma State. We discuss what it's been like going from athlete to coach in such a short amount of time and how it's changed her relationship to the sport. Plus, falling in love with running because of the competition, that question she often gets asked about the marathon, and a whole lot more. Enjoy today's interview with Taylor Summers. Taylor Summers, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I start every podcast by asking my guest about how their most recent run went. You got out for two today. You did 11 miles in the morning. You did 12 miles in the late afternoon. Which one was which one was more enjoyable? I think you're the first runner I've talked to that did doubles. Yeah, I think I'd have to say the afternoon run was more enjoyable. This morning, I I got a late finish to my run yesterday, so I had a late dinner, and um, my stomach wasn't happy about <laughs> getting up this morning and running um, earlier than I have in a while, and it was kind of cold. So, uh, But this afternoon, it was nice and sunny and 65 degrees, so it was windy. That didn't um, That wasn't super fun, but I'd have to say this afternoon run was my my favorite of the day. That's awesome. You are fresh off of a college career running for Oklahoma State. Now you are a coach with Oklahoma State. How, how has that, I guess, changed the, whether it's the amount of miles that you run or when you run, how, how has your running schedule changed from when you were a competitor versus being a coach today? Yeah, I think I, um, I expected when my career ended that I'd, um, you know, I'd, take a break and enjoy being a bit of a hobby jogger and, you know, living an, a normal person's life with, um, free time and no practice. And, um, that lasted probably about a week. And then I was just itching <laughs> to get back into it. And I think, um, I'm sure you and others can relate to the fact that, um, as a runner, like going on runs with people kind of is like, your social hour and how you catch up with people and connect. And, um, yeah, I mean, most of my friends that I keep in touch with in the Omaha area are all people who, um, ran in high school and ran collegiately and still continue to do so. So, um, yeah, I got back into it pretty quickly. And then 
just kind of enjoyed um, like doing it for myself. And I like I found the joy in the sport again. I think um, when you um, do a sport collegiately, it kind of gets I don't know. It's there are times when it's harder to remember like why you do what you're doing. And, um, it was kind of fun to just like run because I wanted to and not for anybody else, not because I had, um, races coming up, not because I had expectations, um, for how I would perform just because I wanted to get out and enjoy the fresh air and, um, you know, listen to some music for a while and explore, um, my favorite routes in Omaha. Um, but so transitioning into like how it's changed now that I'm a coach, it's kind of like, I say that, um, it's actually a lot easier to like go for runs and stuff when, um, well, one, I'm not doing any hard workouts or races ever. So I don't like, um, ever feel like I'm like running into the ground. (laughs) Um, and it's crazy how like much you can run when you just like find the time of the day to do it. Um, and so that's kind of what I do now is I just, whenever I have free pockets of time, I'm like, I don't really have anything else going on in my life. Um, nothing else for me to do. So I'm like, I might as well get out and do something that I enjoy. And that just happens to be running a couple, two, three, four times a day. (laughs) if If that's what's in the cards for me. So I think one of the things that I love about following you on Strava is, you know, compared to other people that are, you know, it's like, hey, here's this person who's always a 5 a.m. runner. Here's someone who is, you know, a 9 a.m. runner. Here's someone who's an after work runner. I, I never know what time I'm going to see your runs. It could be it could be in the morning. It could be at night. It usually is both. But the times are always varying. So I love that that you're finding uh, pockets of time to run. And you said something early in that answer about joy and finding the joy in it again. And, and so I want to use that, I guess, to go all the way back. What what was it that first got you into running? What was it that inspired you to run in the first place back in the day? Yeah, so I actually, the first sport I ever played was, um, I got involved with softball in, I think, first grade. Um, and I loved that. I, I thought that I was going to grow up to be a professional softball player, and that was, like, my calling. Um, unfortunately, I was, like, under five foot tall and like 95 pounds up until, um, high school. So softball wasn't really, um, probably my best bet going forward. And then, um, my sister grew up playing soccer and I would go to her games and I was kind of like, Oh, I think I want to try this. And then through both of those sports, I think, um, my parents always said when we were younger that like my sister was more of the natural born athlete. And I just had like the competitive spirit and the determination Um, and so that's kind of what it was. I just, I loved competing with my teammates, like at practice and like beating them when we would do running drills. And I loved racing people like in recess in elementary school. And, um, I had a couple neighbor boys that I grew up with on our street who I would love to challenge to races. And, um, so in middle school, when track became an option, I, well, I, um, would do like the mile in gym class in middle school and like try and beat all the boys. And then when track became an option, um, I was like, Oh, I'm kind of good at this running thing, but I wasn't like super sold on it. Um, until high school, but I think I was just the competitive, uh, the competitor in me that like brought me to it and what, um, I guess like why I enjoyed it at first. And then it kind of grew from there. 
Interesting, because one of the questions I love asking runners who have competed in college, um, and so obviously have a lot of talent, is like the idea of do you like running early on because you like it or because you're good at it? I don't know if I've heard somebody say, though, in your episode 40, I don't know if I've heard somebody say in any of these episodes before, like, I liked it just because I was competitive. And so I think that yeah. that's such a cool answer. Yeah, I think it definitely helped that I was good at it, but I just like... I just, yeah, I liked competing and I liked getting out on the line. And um, my high school coach actually, like, him and I would talk about how races, and even in college, she would, like, I would just perform in races um, so much better than, like, any of my workouts would ever indicate. And I think it's just because, for whatever reason, like, I can find this, um, this extra gear just because I like getting out there and competing. And um, I think that's why I loved cross country so much is because it's just about being gritty and, um, you know, trying to beat the person next to you. And it's not necessarily about how fast you run, but just like who can be tougher on the day. And speaking about that. So I was looking at, at some of your, your high school stuff and your early career. So first of all, you had a teammate in Katie Spencer who was really, really good. And then there was another athlete at the time that was also really, really good. And so you, as you get into high school, you have a ton of success especially as a freshman and a sophomore, but you're not, you're not able to capture the state championship in either of those years. That doesn't happen until you're a junior. What was that like for you, given the competitive nature that, that you're describing? I mean, um, looking back, I'm grateful that that was the case. Uh, at the time, it was frustrating because, you know, I would run times that, like, would win meets in years previous or, you know, run times at the state meet that like in most other years would be winning times or, um, you know, break meet records, but I was never first. And so it's like, uh, like I just, I, I just wanted that first place. And I, we, um, used to joke about the amount of like, you know, like bronze and silver medals that I had. And we, um, we called it the silver streak, especially in cross country. And, um, yeah, I mean, looking back, I'm very glad that I had a teammate like that, like Katie, who, um, you know, she forced me to have to like bring my best every day, whether it be at practice or, um, at races. And I think that's like pretty unique to have, um, especially in Nebraska, there aren't, I mean, there are a few schools who typically have like pretty competitive, um, teams with, um, you know, several athletes that are up there. But yeah, I'm just I'm I'm glad that I had um, you know someone to chase, so to say. That's awesome. And so one of the things that I know that you did was before your junior year of high school, you ran a lot of miles that summer. Um, it, it, I don't was that more mileage than you would run? Like I read one story that said you ran 300 miles or or over 300 miles that summer. Was that the most miles you had ever run in a summer before? Probably. It's it's getting back there in in uh, <laughs> years. It feels like a lifetime ago, but um, I think like my first summer of running, um, actually. So Coach Llewellyn, the co- my coach in high school at Millard South, um, he had invited me to join the high school team for their summer running that they did in middle school, and I was kind of like. I don't know if I want to wake up at 6.30 and go run with these kids that I don't know. Um, And then even the summer before my freshman year, I didn't take it super seriously. Um, I was playing softball still and soccer tryouts and things like that that would go on in the summer. And I joined a couple days a week and then, you know, I'd take the weekend off and then get back into it the next week. And I never was super consistent with it. Um, And then I think the following summer, I – 
was probably a lot more consistent. And then, yeah, the summer before my junior year, I think is when I started to like kind of take things a lot more seriously and actually like keep track of my mileage and, um, you know, pay attention to my paces. And I think I, um, I would work up to like in the 50 to 60 mile range for a couple weeks at the end of the summer, which was, um, I think like during the season, um, whether it was cross country track, I would probably average anywhere from like 30 to 40 miles. So like getting up into the fifties and sixties was kind of a lot for me at the time. And looking back, I don't, (laughs) I don't know (laughs) why, um, why I ran so much, but, um, my, my coach was, he was pretty smart. He, he knew that I just, if I was left to my own devices that I would do more, more, more. Um, and so he was pretty good about, you know, making sure I, I capped it somewhere and, um, you know, left some more in the tank for later on. What do you remember about how your body responded to that uptick in mileage? I mean, I guess I don't, it's just so weird for me because even now, like it's crazy how things change. Like a few, six months ago, I wouldn't have ever imagined that I'd be running the amount of miles I'm running right now and feeling so good while doing it. So, um, if I had to guess, it was probably something similar. And then, um, I mean, that cross country season was my best cross cross country season of, um, my career at that time. So, um, I'm guessing it probably, (laughs) it probably worked. It probably, I guess, translated pretty well. What is it that you love about uh, the big mileage? Because I think that's one of the things that always blows me away when I'm just hopping around on your Strava is it's very consistent. It's it's always over 100 seemingly. And it seems like you genuinely enjoy it as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I've just like conditioned myself over the years to like not have anything else that um, excites me as much, but... I don't know. Like, I just, I like, I like that, um, you know, some days I can get out there and just be with myself and my thoughts, or I can zone out completely and just listen to music and, um, you know, run around Stillwater. And we're actually pretty lucky here to have like quite a few good running routes and, um, you know, options for places to go. And it's not just, you know, concrete jungle and traffic all the time, which is, um, I think helpful too. And then I like that, you know, if I'm feeling like I need some company one day, I can hop in with the girls at practice if they're not doing a workout and, um, socialize. And sometimes I'll run with, um, you know, some of the other coaches on staff and I don't know, I just, it's hard to, I guess, put it into words, but it just, it brings me so much peace and it's kind of, um, it's like my time to unwind, I guess. So let's go back to let's go back to your junior year of high school. Um, so if if I'm understanding things right, some of that competition that you had gone against, they were going into college mm-hmm. um, when you're a junior. And so did did you feel like that season was like you obviously don't want to put the the cart before the horse, but was, was it kind of like this is going to be my time as long as I'm able to to remain healthy? And so you're shaking your head, yes. So what was that buildup like over the course of that year as as those silver medals are finally turning into some golds for you? Yeah, I mean, I knew um, at the end of my sophomore year that um, Katie Spencer was graduating, that Geraldine Poe was graduating, and I was like, this is finally my shot. And obviously, I I'm lucky that I feel like the um, my generation, there were a lot of talented runners in Nebraska. So it's not like it was, um, 
something where I thought that it was like a given that I was going to win, but I was like, you know, I, I finally feel like I have a better shot than I had previously. And, um, I at least, um, found a new sense of confidence to where like before I almost would go into races wanting to beat, um, the Katie Spencers and the Gerilyn Poe's. And obviously that was a goal, but I also think like when you've lost so many times that you kind of in the back of your mind, like have, um, these like limitations that you set on yourself, whether you realize it or not in the moment. Um, so yeah, I was excited to kind of like have a fresh start in a way. Um, but actually our first meet of the year, the Millard South and by our home meet, um, we was one of the more competitive meets throughout the year. Um, which is interesting when it's your, your first meet of the season. And we would invite, um, athletes and teams from other States. And, um, one of the teams that would come was Lawrence free state out of Kansas, out of Lawrence, Kansas. And, um, Emily Venters was their top athlete who is now, um, she's been a multiple time all American at, um, Boise state first and then at Utah. And now she runs professionally, um, with a group, um, sponsored by Nike. So she's a pretty, (laughs) a pretty great athlete. Um, and so I knew that going into that first meet of the year that I would have her as a competitor and, um, actually shocked myself because I won and that was my first gold medal. And, um, yeah, she ended up running a lot (laughs) faster than me throughout (laughs) the rest of her high school career. But, um, I mean, that was, that was a really special moment to win, on our home course too, at our home meet. Um, yeah. And kind of started off my, my junior year, um, on the right foot. For sure. And so you get to the state championship and I, I mean, you, I mean, to be frank, you destroy the field. Uh, you win, you win your race by almost a minute. What, what do you remember about that? Is it, is it like the emotions of finally capturing the gold? Is it the way that you feel throughout the race? Like what's the, the memory that stands out the, the most to you that day? Honestly, I have this weird, um, phenomenon that would happen at the state meet where like I would finish the race and kind of like never remember any parts of it. Like I'm like going back, um, and running the course each year. I was like, since when does this hill exist? Like, I don't remember this part of the course at all. Um, but I think, yeah, probably just the emotion of like all my hard work has finally um, come to fruition on this day. And it's, it's always, um, a good feeling when, you feel the best on the day that matters the most. And, um, yeah, so it was probably, you know, I probably went into it, um, just trying to be competitive at first. And then once I like felt that I had, um, an advantage on the field, I probably just let the excitement kind of carry me through the finish line. So given the success that you had early in your career, I have to imagine that recruiting was, was entering the picture by this point in time. When did that start becoming a reality of like, you know, oh, I'm not just like good at this level. This is going to be something that would be able to take me to to college. Yeah. So I think, um, I'm kind of grateful that I was naive, but also aware at the same time. Like I kind of thought that I was, you know, like super great, but also I did understand that like other States across the country, um, were a lot more competitive and there were girls out there running a lot faster than I was, but I was like, well, like Nebraska is a small state in comparison. And, you know, I'm doing the best with the opportunities that I have. Um, And I started to like, um, you know, like Katie Spencer briefly um, ran for Oklahoma State as well. And um, I just kind of remember seeing like 
girls who were um, in classes ahead of me who I had beat before were able to run collegiately and um, things like that is probably like what first opened my mind to it. But it used to be that you couldn't like actually speak to um, coaches until the summer leading into your senior year. Now it's sooner, which is so weird to me um, being on the other side of things. But um, so it used to be like in the middle of July, I think is like when coaches could start calling. And I remember like waking up on that day and being like, oh my gosh, my phone's going to be ringing all day long. I'm going to have to be like putting people on hold. And um, I was shocked. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm not naive in the sense that I thought that I was going to be like a top recruit, but I did think that looking back that I was probably under recruited. Um, but I mean, there are coaches that called and some were from smaller schools and some were from um, schools in state. And I kind of knew that I just wanted to get out of Nebraska in general, just to like see what else was out there. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of um, how the recruiting process started. When you say uh, that you felt like you were under recruited, did, did that put a chip on your shoulder? A little bit. Yeah, I think I kind of went in um, to my collegiate career, like knowing that I was a bit of an underdog um, and just like feeling like if I could play my cards right, I had a lot more to give and um, that I had a lot. Like I was saying earlier, my coach um, in high school was pretty smart. I'm I'm really grateful for the fact that he held me back and he didn't let me get carried away and do um, crazy mileage or um crazy workouts or, um, over race. And so I knew that because I'd played it smart, that I had some more in the tank and that there was a lot of room for me to grow. So what, what is it about Oklahoma state? You mentioned one of your, uh, teammates, Katie Spencer, she was there, uh, for a spell. What was it about that school in particular that really drew you in? Yeah. So it's actually crazy because, um, prior to Katie Spencer, we had another athlete out of Millard South, Clara Nichols, who was, um, she, still holds, I think, several state records in Nebraska um, and like the for sure in the four by four. Um, and I think she at least at one point, I don't know if someone's broken it since, but she had the um, state record in the 400 meter dash as well. And she I never overlapped with her at Millard South, um, but she was here and then Katie Spencer was here and then I came here and there was kind of a joke that there was a Millard South pipeline. Um, but it is funny because um I initially like wrote Oklahoma State off even before they had reached out to me in the first place because I I kind of was just like I've I spent two years of high school kind of being behind Katie Spencer and I kind of just wanted to go somewhere where I didn't know anyone and where I didn't um, kind of already have these expectations that I was going to be um, you know at this point on the totem pole in comparison to her like. Um, I just felt like mentally it would probably be better for me to go somewhere where I was coming in clean slate, like, um, yeah, no, no prior, um, I guess I don't want to say like, yeah. Um, but, uh, then, uh, coach Dave Smith called me and I was like, dang, I really like this guy. This is a good conversation. I'm liking what he's saying. Like, I feel like I resonate with, um, his training philosophy, his perspective to the sport in general and kind of his, his morals and his values. And, um, I ended up coming on a visit and, 
Um, I think I knew pretty early on, um, stepping on campus and like meeting the team and stuff that this is where I was going to end up. But I kind of, I was like, there's no way that I'm going to visit one school and I'm going to know that that's where I'm supposed to be. So I, I kind of tried to deny those feelings and explore some other options. And ultimately I just, yeah, I knew that this is, um, the place that I could call home for my collegiate career. Yeah. And apparently beyond. (laughs) Yeah. So you said something earlier um, about like the state that you were coming from and, and the level of competition, even with as, as good of the competition is, it obviously is a smaller state here in Nebraska. So what's it like going from a runner who is regularly finishing in the top three as a freshman and sophomore, then winning a, a whole lot as a junior and senior? And of course, that's not happening uh, at the college level. What, I, I just I have to imagine that that can be difficult. Um, was it something that you expected? What what was what were those emotions like for you? Yeah, I mean, I knew coming in that this was um, a pretty great program with a rich history of um, really successful um, middle distance and long distance running. And I, I when I was um, looking at colleges, I I didn't want to go somewhere where I knew I was going to be the best or one of the best. I wanted to go somewhere that would challenge me and that I would have to put in a lot of work to, to make the top seven and to, um, make an impact. So, um, coming in, I kind of expected to be, um, you know, struggling, I guess, and not necessarily killing it right off the bat. Um, I also like all of the other recruits that, um, came in with me, you know, were state, I kind of came in like knowing that we, almost everyone here has been a state champ and probably multiple state champ or like, you know, the foreign kids probably um, have competed at a much higher level and kind of had a different experience than we do here, um, like in American high schools. So I kind of, I expected to not really um, come in guns blazing and, you know, that I would have to adjust. And I actually, I, um, did a lot better initially than I expected to when I came in. Um, and then kind of fizzled out just as most, um, freshmen's like first season does. Um, but, um, it was a good, I think it was a good learning experience. And, um, I, I look back on it and I'm grateful for the opportunities that I had and also for the lessons that I learned and probably like you know, did too much too soon. Um, just cause I got excited. What, what surprised you the most as you, as you're running in college? Um, I was surprised that I could actually hang with some of the older girls and a few, um, of like, I remember specifically there was, um, we have a new cross country course now, but on our old cross country course, um, there was a, a loop that we would do for mile repeats and it was a pretty tough loop. Um, and I kind of surprised, um, myself and surpassed my expectations in that meet with some of the girls that I was able to hold on to and, um, you know, finish the workout with. And then, um, going into our first meet, the Cowboy Jamboree, uh, coach Smith pulled me aside and was like, I think, um, you know, you've been looking pretty good and I think we're going to race you in uniform. And, um, I can't remember if I ended up finishing within our top seven in that race or not. Um, but that was, that was something that was exciting and that surprised me. And then, um, 
you know, the rest of the season <laughs> wasn't nearly as um, successful, but um, it was, like I said, a, a good learning experience. And I'm glad that I, um, you know, had those opportunities help me grow later on. How does, how does something like that change your relationship with running where, you know, you're having that success in high school and you're chasing all these big goals and now, you know, sometimes you're racing, sometimes you're not, you're obviously practicing and you're obviously running. What, what is that, what is that experience like? Yeah, it's for sure different. Um, especially like at Oklahoma state, we kind of under race in comparison to most other programs, um, just in general and in high school, you race all the time. So that was an adjustment. I was kind of like, what do you mean? Like, we're not, we're not going to races every weekend. How are we supposed to like, you know, kind of like compare metrics and things like that. And how are we supposed to know we're getting better? Um, so yeah, that was, that was different. But I think, like I said earlier, like, that's why I'm grateful that I wasn't just, um, you know, a superstar in my high school team or, you know, I am glad that I had experiences where I wasn't the best and where I had to work to, to win and run fast. And, um, I think just like having those few years of trying to, to finally get that gold medal, trying, trying to finally, um, win a race, uh, that helped me, um, kind of just be patient and trust the process and know that, um, if I kept my head down and kept working towards it, that it would come eventually. What are you most proud of from your college career? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, I think my college career took a much different turn than I would have expected going in. Obviously, there's things like the pandemic that, um, you know, no one could have ever foreseen happening. But, um, you know, when you want something so bad and you're willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Sometimes that can become a negative thing. And, um, I, I worked so hard to make our top seven, to travel with our team to nationals to then my junior year, I was, um, not only all American, but in the top 20 in the nation, which, you know, I don't think, I don't know if Dave, actually Dave probably would admit that he probably never <laughs> foresaw that happening for me. Um, like I said, like I wasn't a super highly recruited kid and, um, probably like my performances in high school would not have indicated that someday I'd be, um, in the top 20 in the NCAA at the national cross country meet. Um, and so like on a surface level, it'd be easy to say that like, that's one of my most proud moments that I, I was able to kind of go from being underdog to, um, one of a lot of top dogs. <laughs> I don't want to say the top dog, but you know, I was in, I was in the, the ballpark of some top dogs. Um, but I think, um, the years that followed that weren't as star studded and, um, successful. And I'm, I think I'm most proud of the fact that regardless of how hard things were and um, how difficult it was to keep going when I knew I wasn't, you know, running at the same level that I didn't give up and that I, um, I showed up every day as a, um, as a good teammate and, um, you know, with the same competitive spirit that, you know, if I, again, if I keep my head down, then, you know, maybe one day I can, um, get back to that level again. 
More from Taylor Summers in just a moment, but Chasing Three Hours is now brought to you by Fleet Feet Omaha, a locally owned specialty running store with locations in Omaha and Lincoln. I had a chance recently to go through their unique fitting process, which involves taking a 3D scan of your feet to ensure that you will have the correct shoe fit as well as the support for your feet. You know, I've been wearing a particular size for many, many years, and it was so much fun to find out, hey, am I doing the right thing with my feet and how certain shoes are going to help out. The customer service at Fleet Feet is spectacular. I had a great conversation with Ben at the location in Exarban Village, and it was just a wonderful experience. Whether you are new to the sport, whether you've been running for years, whether you're looking for a particular brand or type of shoe, they will be able to help you out at one of their two locations in Omaha, either in Exarban or out at Legacy or at the Fleet Feet in Lincoln. And they are also hosting a St. Patty's themed run at Kincaider Brewing on March 13th at 6 p.m. featuring live beer, raffle giveaways, cookies, and other snacks. You can find out a whole lot more information at FleetFeetOmaha.com or at FleetFeetLincoln.com. Back to my conversation with Taylor Summers. You mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, obviously no one foresaw COVID and, and what happened there. Like how, how does, cause that's at the end of your career. So like your career is winding down and so you don't have a indoor season and then you have, you do have another cross country season. So, and then you're, and then it's over. Like what, what was that like for you that you don't get maybe the norm? You don't for sure. You don't get the normal goodbye that a lot of, of your teammates that were older than you would have gotten throughout their running careers. Yeah, it was definitely, it was hard. And, um, I think a lot of people probably can, could say the same that like you kind of experience this like victim mentality, like why did this have to happen to me? But it's, you know, like, like I said, no one could have foreseen something like that happening. And it's, um, you know, I'm not the only one who had to, had to go through it, but, um, yeah, it was just really unfortunate timing because, I, I finished all American the fall of 2019. Um, I, I was a little banged up that winter. Um, and then just as I was starting to get back into running, um, and doing workouts, uh, like a few weeks later is when the, the um, indoor nationals was canceled. And then granted I was redshirting that indoor season anyway. So, um, at the time I was like, Good thing I didn't run because I w- it wouldn't have counted for anything anyways. Um, but then, yeah, I started to kind of like come back into my form and then um, the outdoor season was canceled. And then I was kind of like, well, the hell do we do now? Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was um, definitely a time of a lot of uncertainties and um, you know, I don't, it's like, what do we, what do we do? We don't know what's next. Um, like we don't know how long this is going to last and how long we're not going to be able to have real seasons and meet as a team to practice together. So yeah, that was, that was definitely a rough, um, a rough way to like go into my final years. Yeah. What, what is it like for you as someone who had been running competitively for years to then eventually you come to find out that there are a lot of people and, and I would include myself in this boat, even though I started really taking running seriously again, like right before COVID that a lot of folks like me, like went all in on the sport because we had, whether it was working from home, a lot of people are like, I had all this extra free time, you know, didn't want to just be locked inside all the time. And so suddenly people are 
maybe feeling or falling in love with something that you have also fallen in love with for years before that. What, what has that been like for you, again, as someone who is a competitor, seeing a bunch of folks like me hop into the sport over the last handful of years? I mean, at the time, it was not annoying, but it was hard because, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, at the beginning of the pandemic, when people started getting into it and when it was really like, truly you were stuck in your home and the only thing people could do was go out and run. Um, I was dealing with some injuries. I had mono, but I didn't know that I had mono for the longest time because you couldn't get into the doctor because COVID. Um, so I, I had a really rough summer with, um, being sick and injured and, um, kind of like having an existential crisis because like what is going to happen to our sport. And so I was kind of like, God, all these freaking people out here running and like, I'm having a horrible time with that right now. So that was annoying. But now it's, um, it's just so exciting. Like I feel like Omaha has always had a really great running community, but, um, I mean, like I was saying earlier, like when I first entered my post grad, um, running, I was just like, I just found a new joy for the fact that like I would go to, um, like the TNT Tuesday night track uh, club workouts and um, just like other group runs that people were putting together. And I don't know, it's, I think it's really exciting that running is one of those sports that really anyone can do. And um, like we, we're all different people who come from different backgrounds, like in life and also like um, in the sport. You know, some people have been really competitive and some people just truly get out there just um, because they love it and they don't necessarily care how fast they run or what their race times are. And I love that like, um, this like one thing can bring all these people together who have this like shared interest and, um, love for something. And, um, I don't know. I just think there's there's something so special about the atmosphere, um, that exists when you get a bunch of runners together. I I just think it's something so unlike anything else. For sure. What, what was it that brought you back? You've said that now a couple of times that like earlier in the conversation, it was like, I'm going to be a hobby jogger now. And I think you said you lasted a week. What what, so what was it that brought you back to it so soon? I mean, I think I just like, didn't know what to do with myself. Like, I'm like, (laughs) what do you mean? Like, it was like kind of fun to have a couple days where I, I didn't go out for a run, but I was kind of like, what else do I do with my time then? Um, especially in that transition period where I didn't like necessarily have a job lined up. Um, and like, I didn't really know what was next for me. I was kind of bored. <laughs> all my friends had jobs. So it was like, what do I do all day? Like I'll go for a run and I'll go for a walk and then I'll, you know, watch some Netflix when it's, um, you know, my downtime in between. And, um, I don't know, like I started kind of, um, Jack Slagle invited us to some of the TNT runs. And then, um, I, the first one that I hopped in was a, it was a six mile tempo out at, um, um, the Wabs, the Wabash trail. And I kind of went in there, no expectations. I hadn't worked out since, um, I finished competing, which at this point had probably been a month or a month and a half or so it'd been like a decent amount of time, like not enough time that I like thought that I was going to shit the bed. I don't know if I can <laughs> cuss, but, um, nope, you're good. <laughs> uh, but also enough time to where I didn't really know, um, where I was at fitness wise and what to expect from the workout. And 
it, it went a lot better than I expected. So then I was kind of, um, my, my competitive spirit was restored. I was, you know, I was battling out with some of the boys that were there that day. And then I was like, man, this is fun. I think I'm going to keep coming at these things. Um, and then time after time, week after week, the workouts were, I was surprising myself. I was like, dang, I don't know if I could have done this a few months ago when I was still a collegiate runner. Um, not that that much has changed, you know, I'm still the same person, but, um, yeah. And so then, um, Gerald hosted the, the time trials at the end of the summer and I, um, I ran sub five in the mile for the first time. Granted, I hadn't tried to run a mile, um, in several years, but I ran sub five for the first time in a few years. And I had done it after running, um, back to back hundred mile weeks. And I, I had done like a mini workout in the morning. So I kind of went into it just blind and, um, trying to see what I, what I could give on the day. And I shocked myself and then, um, Gerald threw in the, the surprise. Well, I knew about it going in, but I kind of didn't think, like I thought I could get out of it, the, the four by eight. And then, um, I ran better in that than I thought I would, especially after have having just run a few seconds off like my all time mile PR. And so after that, I kind of was just like, all right, let's just, um, like keep at it and see what happens and what comes from it. That was my first time that night in July was my first time running a mile just like that since high school and, and certainly an 800 like that since high school. And I forgot just like the dread of turning around the track after like 200. And it's like, I have so many more of these and my chest is on absolute fire and it's like, I'm no, thank you. I will, I will, I will definitely do it again this next summer. Uh-huh. But I would much rather run 15 miles, uh, any day of the week than, than have to run the mile. Uh, oh, but that sure. was a, that was a really fun night. Yeah. I, I agree wholeheartedly. The mile is not in high school. That was, that was my, that was my thing. That was fun. Uh, now. Not so yeah. much. I'll, I'll do it that one time every summer. And that's probably about it because yeah, yeah. like you said, I would much rather, go on a 15 plus mile long run or whatever, then feel the burn of running around the track four times. Yep. hundred percent. Even if it only lasts five minutes. All right. So yeah. I'm going to ask you the question that I have to imagine you get all the time from people in your life that know about the, the number of miles that you're doing on a daily basis, the number of miles you're doing on a weekly basis. And that is, so when are you going to run the marathon? Because <laughs> like as, as someone who has been following you since that night in the summer, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really want to see what she would do in the marathon because I imagine she would kick so much ass. So I will ask you the question. First of all, let me ask you this. How many times do you get asked that? Do you think like a month from people? Is that something that people ask you a lot? Yeah, I've gotten the question quite a few times, especially like I started um, actually um, Mr. Haug, who I know I listened to Seth's podcast and I know that he also referred to him as Mr. Haug instead of Scott. And I I'm the same way. I don't think I can just because, you know, I've known him since I was in middle school. So to me, he's Mr. Haug. Um, but I was actually inspired by him. I think um, a few years back, he he was doing his 38th birthday run and he ran 38 miles. And then I was kind of like, you know, I think I'm going to start doing that. And so I started um, doing birthday runs uh, when I was 22. So my first one was a 22 miler and that was a disaster. I got lost. Um, I was out there for quite a few hours <laughs> trying to, trying to find my way back. Um, but yeah, honestly, ever since then I've gotten, well, 
why don't you just run a marathon? And then, um, obviously now that I'm running the miles that I am, all the, all the young girls on the team are like, so when are you going to race and run a marathon? And, um, actually this past November, I turned 25. So I did my traditional 25 mile birthday run and I saved my 25 miles. And then I was like, what the hell? And so then I ran, I ran 1.2 more so that I could at least say that I have in fact ran 26.2 miles. Um, haven't raced a marathon, but, um, yeah, I don't know exactly when I will run a marathon. I kind of like thought that I'd find some time to be able to race one within, um, the last year, um, after graduating. And then it just, it's, I mean, who really wants to run like a marathon in the summer in the Midwest? That sounds pretty brutal. Um, and then obviously, um, started coaching and that job, you know, when you're in season, you're focused on the athletes and they're racing. So I'm not going to, you know, be able to travel to a fall marathon or especially like one of the majors. Um, but yeah, I mean, my uncle, he's run Boston quite a few times. So the goal is eventually to run a Boston qualifier and do that with him. Um, but I guess this would be a good time to announce, uh, officially that I, I actually am racing a 50 K actually exactly a month from today. And so Yes. Awesome. So I'm entirely surpassing the marathon by a few miles. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many people who just completely skip over it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's next uh, up for me. That's awesome. How is the how's training going for that? Given, I mean, I feel like so I've run seven marathons now, and and like I feel like I'm still getting a handle on fueling, and I can always get better at fueling. Um, what is fueling? What's that like? What's practicing fueling like for a 50 K? Honestly, as it gets closer, I'm kind of like worried that I'm going to be a little underprepared because I haven't done any like specific workouts or, um, specific like practicing with, I've, there's been a couple long runs that I've done where, um, I mean, I started taking gels probably about a year, a year and a half ago on my longer runs and there have been a couple of runs that I've done recently where I'm like, I should really practice like being able to actually like open these and consume them like while I'm moving, um, which proved to be a little bit harder than I anticipated. Um, so, I mean, especially like with what I'm doing now, it's kind of just like get in what I can when I can. And, um, you know, if I it's been a while since I've had a snack, then I'll like take a gel or some chews with me on a run just in case. Um but I haven't done any like specific like actual like practicing that's catered towards my race. Um, it's kind of just been all over the place. Um, but I'm hoping that like I don't know. I'm like I've been like spending enough time on my feet that maybe that'll help when it comes to race day. I'm a little nervous. It's uh, the race is held on some of our hillier like dirt gravel roads and I don't get um, many opportunities to get out there probably once every couple of weeks is when I um, am able to explore the dirt roads in the hills. Um, so I'm a little nervous for that. And I imagine that I'll probably pack a little extra fuel just in case the, <laughs> the, the hills um, sneak up on me. For sure. So what you, 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 we've talked a little bit about the coaching um, that you're doing now. What, what is it like, to go from someone that is on the team to now coaching 
um, athletes, especially given that, that you're, it's not like your career is that long ago. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was an interesting transition for sure, especially for those who I was on the team with for, you know, five, six years, um, to just then be like, okay, now I am like an authority figure to you and we're not like (laughs) friends and teammates. Um, but honestly, like other than, um, the few that have been on the team with me for four or five plus years, um, I felt like I was the sole upperclassman for a while and I kind of got to be like, um, a leader and a mentor and a role model and like, not really a coach, but I like, I like to think that I, um, you know, helped out with our younger generations, um, the younger classes that would come in and try like try to offer them some advice and instill some of my wisdom, um, (laughs) into them. And so I think I, in a way, like, um, had a few years of practice before actually, um, I guess assuming the title. What do you, what do you hope to, to happen in your coaching career? Like, where do you hope that this takes you? I don't know. I mean, I didn't really leave. Um, I didn't really graduate thinking that I would, I was, I was, had always planned on staying in Stillwater because I was like, if I want to continue, um, running, I think this is a great place to to do that for a while. And then the coaching thing kind of just fell on my lap and it was an opportunity that I couldn't pass up and I've really enjoyed it so far. And so I'm kind of just playing it by ear and seeing where things go. And I'm enjoying being here right now. Um, I think I, I love this program so much and I love my time here and I, I love getting to stick around while we're doing some pretty um, special things. And yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just kind of, I'm letting the ball roll and seeing what happens and just kind of enjoying the moment um, rather than thinking too far ahead. So do you have that same mindset with your own running journey and running career and kind of whatever is next? Like, it's interesting, as you said, you're skipping the marathon and you're going right to a 50K. Obviously, a marathon will be in the cards at some point in time. But are you just kind of approaching your your normal day-to-day running and what you want running to mean for you in, in a similar vein? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think um, when you're a competitive collegiate athlete, um, it can be hard always, you know, having times and places and all these concrete things that you can measure yourself against that, um, you know, can end up being, um, added stressor stressors and pressure. And, um, you know, they, the, the weight of it can get pretty heavy. So right now I'm kind of just like, again, I've, I feel like I've said this over and over. I'm just kind of letting myself enjoy it and I'm just taking it day by day and, um, trying to see what I can do without, um, thinking about it too much and just, um, I'm, I'm sure eventually I'll like try to bring more planning into, into my running. But right now I'm kind of just, I'm waking up and I'm seeing how I feel on the day. And some mornings I'll go for a longer run or sometimes I'll wait all day and then decide to run 22 miles. (laughs) And and, like, it's kind of just whatever, whatever speaks to me on the day. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not too worried about paces or I just kind of like let my feet take me. And, um, some days that's a little farther and some days it's not. And, um, 
I don't know. All, all I know is that um, I don't have as – I don't enjoy the day as much when I don't get to go for a run, and I always enjoy the day a lot more when I, um, when I finish a run, and that's kind of um, all the thought I put into it right now. <laughs> So uh, one one more kind of along these lines, given that you're a coach and you're also doing this this crazy big mileage, like do you have to do you have to be in search of balance? Um, like I guess how do you find balance in your life so it's not just always running all the time? Um, <laughs> that's a good question because I mean I think that it's for sure good to have balance, but that can mean different things. And um, for me since I'm not putting so much pressure on myself with my running right now, that's kind of been my, um, my way to relieve stress and to kind of have a, a bit of an outlet outside of, um, work, I guess. So, I mean, it, it is all running all the time, but it, I've been able to kind of compartmentalize and, um, look at them differently. And, um, you know, I, I get to think about their running and then I get to think about my, my running and, it's a lot of running, but I think um, it's two different things. In yes, a way. yes, yep, it's two different things, and um, so far it's worked. Yeah, good. What's your favorite part about running? Oh my gosh, I think you just—it's—you kind of just get to leave reality for a while. Like you kind of get to be in your own, your own little world, in your own headspace, and um, I don't know. I just think. There's just nothing like getting out there and being in the fresh air and um, getting to choose how hard you want to push yourself and like what you want out of um, your run on any given day. It's kind of just like you get to go out there and choose your journey. And um, there's not many things in life where you get to do that um, and kind of just like choose how it serves you on any given day. Um, it just it gets to be your own. And I think that that's just, yeah, I don't know. That's so, um, it never gets old. So I finish every podcast by asking my guest about what they're chasing. It could be a literal time goal. It could be qualifying for something, or it could just be a feeling. Taylor Summers, what are you chasing? Um, I think right now I'm chasing, um, just this continued sense of joy in the sport and, um, also hopefully a fast ish. I don't know. I don't know how fast I'll be out on the dirt roads, but hopefully um, a good a good race, a good first fifty k. That's that's what I'm chasing right now. Taylor Summers, thanks for joining me today on Chasing Three Hours. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Taylor Summers for joining me on today's episode. Thanks as well to the women I spoke with, detailing their experiences out on the running trail in the wake of Lake and Riley's murder. Thanks to Fleet Feed Omaha, the new title sponsor of Chasing Three Hours. Stop by one of their two Omaha locations or their spot in Lincoln and mention this podcast for $15 off of your first pair of shoes at regular price. Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance as well as music and sound design. Thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to Chasing3Hours.com for more from me as I write about my experience training for the 2024 Eugene Marathon. Know anyone that would be a great fit for the pod or just want to drop me a note? Email me at chasing3hours at gmail.com. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend.